You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 131, covering Descent, Part 2, and Liaisons with Rob Humphreys. Hi friends, it is time for Season 7. And boy, generation. are we off to a something. I think this is those weren't words at all. <laughs> well, Beef. you've won your argument. <laughs> Beef, how are you? I'm doing well. Ready to seven the place up. Seven in it up. Seven of seven. <laughs> That's what this is. Season yep. seven of seven. I don't want to prejudge season seven yet, Matt, because it's terrible. Yeah. And I want people to maybe go in with an open mind instead of just us telling them that it's terrible. But uh... I mean, we'll save everyone a lot of time if we just do that. Yeah, I could tell you the three good ones and the finale, but, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe not. We're going to keep it a mystery. On the other hand, Beav, you didn't hate these, did you? I didn't hate them. Well, there you go. They weren't amazing, but I didn't didn't hate them. A little boring. But hate's a strong word. Yeah, but it's also an hour-long show that we have to fill with some kind of feelings. Yeah. So sometimes we have to say we hate when when it really just feels like you know you could turn it off and go outside and play if you really wanted. To. Oh, true. I don't like. That's being a really mean, nice though. day out too. I'd love to chase a hoop with a stick. <laughs> These are probably both episodes that one could pass on if they really wanted to. Yeah. Although you know we we had to follow up with uh, with last week's uh, you know. Oh no, here are some angry Borg in a castle. What happens next? I actually I like the idea of someone watching Descent Part One and then just. You don't have to watch Descent Part 2. Well, what good. happened? It worked out pretty well. Yeah, everything's uh-huh. fine. Look, it was, let, me, it, let me just guess. It's 1992. It's syndicated TV. Everything went back to normal, right? Yeah. Yep. Good? Okay, fine. Nice job. Yep. Good job, everyone. Ten points. Why don't I tell you, though, about Descent Part 2? Because we are here to tell you about all Star Trek. Yes. And so I must. I can't go outside and play with a hoop on a stick. Instead, I must tell you about Descent, and so I shall. So last time on Star Trek The Next Generation... Data ran off to live in a castle with some Borg. He watched some porn and then yelled, stop it. And now the conclusion. Mustaches twirl as the sons of Soong. That's just Data and Lore, not the other one. Reveal their plan to destroy all humans and take over the galaxy. Lore is shacked up here in, yes, his magic castle. Isn't it great when our stupid references finally pay off? That's called foreshadowing. (laughs) He has an army of defective Borg, rendered defective by Picard's decision to send adorable widow Hugh the Borg back to the collective with his own widow's sense of individuality. Only now Hugh's sulking underneath the magic castle and his anti-lore friends. I mean, I get they op- I get why they oppose lore and his meh galactic conquest plan, but why they're lurking on the same part of the planet just out of sight? Maybe they're smoking down there. That's <laughs> probably it. They're a pretty surly crew. Anyway, back in the magic castle, Lore points out that Jordy hasn't been tortured in a while, so Data rips off his visor and starts pumping spaghetti into his forehead. This leaves Troy and Picard to sort out how to escape. Thankfully, as established in Timescape, they're both engineers, so that shouldn't be a problem at all. Maybe this pebble can generate some kind of inverted tachyon pulse. Oh, it can? What are the odds? (laughs) Back upstairs, Beverly's in charge, so everyone's in bed by 9 p.m. and nothing interesting happens. (laughs) But I guess the episode ran short because we get to watch it all anyway. The Borg ship shows up, then it doesn't, then it does, then it doesn't. Sick of the most tedious, barely a chase in Star Trek history, Captain Mom taps her senior staff for suggestions. But there's only Ensign capable but unsure of herself and Ensign blonde Patrick Bateman. So she flies the ship into the sun, which is what I wanted to do, too. 
On the planet, 45 minutes of, come on, Data, you're not evil, you're good, finally gets through and he zaps Lore. Then everything goes back to normal and we never again speak of that time Data tortured his best friend and threatened to literally kill all humans and dominate the galaxy with his evil twin. In fairness, though, is there really an organic place to bring any of this up in conversation? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. Lore's magic castle. Ugh. So, Beeve, you didn't hate this one, huh? No, but I did kind of zone out for a lot of the talking parts. That's understandable. Do you mean yeah. my summary or the episode? No, the episode. Oh. Um, at least the episode. <laughs> I was um, going to say, I worked, I worked minutes on that. I didn't hate it. So, do you, did you want my good thing? or do you... Yes, okay. sure. Um, I like it. This this episode does the three distinctly separate teams really cut off from each other, um, mm-hmm. and they're um, you get three sets, three groups of characters having uh, dilemmas, having to improvise and and come up with how they're going to deal with the situation. And I, I mm-hmm. like that dynamic a lot, and it lets you see the their each of their crisis modes and their leadership skills and how they cope with stuff. So it, to me, it kind of gives you a, a little bit of a different insight into character. Um, and I like Beverly in a leadership position, and I might be alone on that. Um, and her, uh, and I liked her cute, plucky ensign son, Doctor. Okay, well, you got you got the three teams. You got Jordy uh, uh, and Picard and Troy locked up in the castle. Yeah, and what they're doing is sort of interesting. It is. And then you got Beverly in her first command thing. We'll we'll put a pin in that and come back to that for a sec. But what, yeah. I'm, what I'm going toward here is you also have Riker and Worf. Walking around the planet doing nothing. Walking around yeah. the planet looking for the episode, desperately trying to get back into the episode. <laughs> the adventures of Riker and Worf lost in the woods. I, I will grant you that two of the three, could, there could be an argument made to be interesting. The third, yeah. I, I'm really going to have to hear your uh, your defense of that because I don't know that I agree with you there. No, I like I more I more like the setup than I like the execution of it in okay. this. But it is a it is a type of episode that I like, which is the where they break the action out. And sometimes when you have those episodes, you get really great um, opportunities for different people to do stuff. Right. Like, and on the ship, you got that. You got completely different characters doing stuff, and they got to rise to the occasion and have their doubts and whatnot. And, Beverly, unfortunately, was a little bit, you know, was a little bit monotone in it, a little bit flat. Um, but she still got to do stuff, and that was nice. And even though the stuff on the planet was that the Picard and them were doing was kind of ridiculous and made leaps where, again, they all have to have advanced knowledge of engineering that none of them mm-hmm. really need to have. Um, you know, there's still I still like the fact that they were there trying to figure out stuff and. Honestly, for Worf and, and Riker, there there really was nothing. I, I said it was like they were walking through an episode of Bonanza, and um, just nothing was happening. It's just like they were – all they were there was for someone to tell exposition to so everyone knew what the hell was going on. It felt like to set up the Beverly Command thing, you had to put all the senior crew on the planet, which was already yeah. contrived. I called that out in our last episode. But then to have those specific characters alone in the castle, you had to leave whoever was left out in the planet. So it's kind of yeah, a leftover. They, they didn't know what to do with it either. I don't they think. were there to wait until it was time to bring the cavalry in. Right. That really was now, the because the, they went. They were the ones who went and talked to Hugh and them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they had to go get the cavalry so they could come in. But it was really we cut to you know I mean. I would have found a way to do stuff with just the two groups that were interesting and maybe cut out the wandering around doing yeah, nothing they could have them be just to be a, or something. Just to be a saving device. Yeah, it could be maybe like uh, Laura's team captured everyone 
Yeah. yeah. Some of them are unconscious being prepped for experiments or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you could have had a two right, you could have had a group of rebel board with, you know, Riker and Worf and already, you know, mm-hmm. having to deal with their thing and then the Picard and them having to deal with their thing. Already put them all into a situation that's interesting, not just kind of right. walking around dealing with their well, we're down here and we're mad. Uh Rebel <laughs> Borg. So let's take we're the Borg. mad. Let's take the Borg and, and do the one thing that makes every character so much better in Star Trek. Let's make them a rebel hiding out in caves. Yes. It would explain why they put why they all had mullets stuck on them. Hey, you you, you read ahead, didn't you? <laughs> Maybe. I think that might be in my bad thing. Oh, is it? Oh, shit. I'm not sure, actually. Um, it, it was at one point. My bad thing changed. My bad thing, I think, is longer than my summary. We'll get there in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the Beverly thing goes, though, um, it felt to me too much like, uh, Beav, I don't know if you remember the episode Disaster, where that was another one where there was like five different teams of people split off where uh, Worf had to deliver Keiko's baby and Picard was stuck in the elevator. Um, and on the bridge was Troy. She was the senior officer. And then it was Ensign Rowe and uh, Chief O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And it felt a lot like that. It felt like Crusher being in charge. Everyone around her knew more than she did. She wasn't really a command presence at all. She never really stepped into the role. It felt very similar to that mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, except, you know, instead everything kind of goes okay. Right. Sort of. I just, like, they try and have some sort of tension with New Girl, and... I mean, we've seen this We've seen this team a thousand times on Star Trek. There's New Ensign, who's not good at, you know, whatever, and... Well, no, no, just not confident yet. Good. Yeah. Good enough to be on the Enterprise, just hasn't quite lived up to their reputation yet. And then there's Lieutenant, who is all against whatever that person is doing. Yeah, smug. Well, I don't think we could do Happened a million times. It used to happen weekly on the original series. Yep. What are we, Ensign Ricky? Ensign Ricky, yeah. Call him? Yeah. Totally. Or the guy, in the, and the guy in the checkoff seat. Oh, yeah. Ensign Ricky and the guy in the checkoff seat. That is That sounds like some kind of uh, movie from the 70s. Yeah. When they... <laughs> That's the Trek spinoff we never got. Thank goodness. Actually, I'd take that over Voyager. Yeah. Um... But I just, I don't feel, I feel like this was the chance. This was finally, okay, we fixed Deanna last year. We really mm-hmm. made a concerted effort, and she had several good episodes. She had good presence in episodes that weren't about her. For the most part, we didn't ruin her after we fixed her, uh, except for the next episode, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, but as far as this goes, Beverly had her chance, and she didn't suck, but there was just nothing there, you know what I mean? She She's certainly just... didn't excel in the role, you know? Like, But it's not like, oh, this is this is a whole part of her personality we haven't seen before. That's what we yeah. got from Troy in her episodes. We got, like, here's a side of Troy we've never seen before. And with Beverly, it's like it, it goes exactly the way you would expect yeah. it to go. This is exactly what we've yeah. seen before. Oh, we've here's seen a whole exactly what we expect. Yes. She talks to them the way she talks to Nurse Ogawa, which is fine, like a friend. Mm-hmm. And then she asks for science advice, and then she takes it. And that's mm-hmm. it. There's no there's no real conflict with Beverly. No. There's no proving herself. It's all about that junior officer. That junior officer has more of a, of a, a character arc than anybody else in the episode, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we'll never see her again. Yeah, which is too bad. She's fine. Yeah. You know, she could be interesting if you brought her back and did some more stuff with her. But uh, Yeah, why not? Stick her in Lower Decks. Yeah. Well, she might be in Lower Decks. I don't remember. Oh, they shit, had to. Right. They had to stick her on a um, another ship where she will conveniently use her son knowledge again someday in a crisis. Oh yeah, it was one of those. You called her Doctor Son. She had a. Um, Doctor Son. She did her thesis on it. 
Not, not to be confused with Dr. Soong, who is the father of no. the two genocidal robots downstairs. Yes. Or Dr. Detroit, who is not in this episode. True. Right. She's the head of the Daughters of Sun, not the Sons <laughs> of Sun. Not the Moonies. That's, that's or the a Moonies. New cult. They're all biker right. gangs. Yeah. She happened to write her, like, uh, Academy dissertation on the exact thing that they were trying to do. On hiding in the sun. Well, hiding yep. in the sun. Which was actually a nice callback when Beverly thought of it. Because she, she talked about metaphasic shielding, which was from the, uh, what is it, Suspicions? Yeah. The episode with the Ferengi scientist. But, and that was cool. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And if and you it, run through this Incense holodeck programs, she has a, a hollow uh, Geordi talking about metaphasic uh, shields. <laughs> <laughs> and, and telling he her that on. he loves her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> you just blew my mind with that. <laughs> Jordy's got his one chance, and he's down there getting spaghetti fed into his head. Yep. Oh, come on, Data. Really? <laughs> Poor bastard. The the torture doesn't bother me, but you made me miss a chance to score. <laughs> Speaking of the torture, Matt, yeah, tell me your good thing. All right. So there, there's a scene in here where uh, Data's been torturing Jordy, and it's just after, I guess, Picard and Troy sort of figure out a thing that can kick into the force field to make... Jordy, or uh, to make Data feel guilt. Mm. And it's all about Jordy remind, uh, reminding Data of all the great times they had together. Well, the whole and, episode is Picard reminding him of this, this isn't you, you're, you're, this isn't right, you're a good person, and then Jordy no, doing but, the same thing. And... No, but Jor- Jordy does it, and it actually, it's actually kind of sad. It is. It's sad, and it's it's a funny story, and you feel bad for Jordy, and you kind of feel bad for Data. And it really stands out well in an otherwise very bland episode. And actually, my quote is the end of that scene. Oh! Which, which is uh, which is where it stops being sweet and suddenly gets sort of awful. Oh, how fortuitous. Like that time we went sailing on Davala Lake, you remember that? I have a complete memory record of that day. <laughs> you decided to go swimming? <laughs> And when you jumped out of the boat, you sank straight to the bottom. I did not have enough buoyancy to get back to the surface. You had to walk over a kilometer along the bottom to get back to shore. One kilometer, 46 meters. It took almost two weeks to get the water out of your servos. I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. So there's that. I just love the juxtaposition of, that was a great time. Yeah. Now I'm going to irradiate your brain. Now it's time for you to die. Right. Oh, man. I really thought that was going to work. Nope. (laughs) No, it's not. He wanted to turn him into a super robot. Yeah. He wasn't trying to kill him. He was trying to make him better. No, Jordy, this will be great because when you're a robot, we can be friends forever. Then I can make fun of you for being not human. Then you'll know how that feels. (sighs) Oh, man. Jordy... I mean, Data, who am I? I'm blind, and I forgot to look at myself. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. I mean, Max. <laughs> so my good thing, well, fuck it. I'm going for the acting again. I know we keep telling ourselves that it's too easy, but, uh, you know, this is a talented cast, and they keep showing us new things. I'm not just going to fall back on, okay, Data, Data's a good character. Like, I'm, I'm trying to come up with new stuff, at least. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, Flunk was here and pointed out that Frakes played Thomas and Will Riker differently. Which he did. Same character, different aspects of the same character. Yeah. This, this is sort of the, the reverse of that. Data, uh, under the influence of evil emotion chip and lore, should be the same character. Like, th- that is what lore is. But he manages to play 
evil data differently than lore. They're different guys, mm-hmm. which is impressive. That is some subtle shades of ham there. Yep. See, the, the, the thing with lore is that he's evil, but he's also smug. Yeah. And data's not. He's a little scared. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that's that's really I mean it's both roles are ninety percent sneer. Let's not mm-hmm. uh, let's not lose sight of that. But it's I a different ninety percent. Yeah, I think that might be why I like Lore, despite mm. the fact that there's no reason to like Lore. He's just so pleased with himself all the time. <laughs> well, that's really what you want out of a villain. You want you want a villain who enjoys what they do. Yeah, like he spends the entire like. It totally seems like a thing he would do to like take to want to destroy the Federation and call himself the son of the sons of Soong. It's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I suppose. I, I, Beef, how do you feel about Lore overall? I don't love him. Okay, He's a, I I just I don't like the character. I don't like the personality that he has. How he's played, mm-hmm. more or less. Not that he's not played consistently, and that's fine and all. I just don't. Like you don't like the scenery chewing aspect of it? Yeah. I think it's a good idea for a character. I think, and I said this last week, if any character were to have an evil twin, it makes the most sense that the robot would have sort of a version 1.0 floating around there. Yeah. yeah. Completely Why makes, he has I mean, an evil really twin and a stupid twin. Right. But it's it's not pulled off very well. I think I like the idea of lore more than I like lore is what it turns out to be. And I, I kept hoping I was wrong every time he showed up, but there is not a lore episode I like. I like yeah. Brothers, but... It's not a lore episode. We talked about that. Yeah. Also, it's I, an episode I, featuring lore. Mostly, I just wanted to correct myself because I called it family last week, and I'm sure someone eventually <laughs> ah. is going to well actually me. And I meant brothers, not family. So, well, see, it's easy to remember because brothers forgive each other, Al. I feel yeah, like and family doesn't. What lore no. is? Lore <laughs> is sort of like um, lore is sort of like Data's Q, only without the endearing Q part. You know, the the endearing parts of it, of or that any kind of arc because yeah. he's just evil. Then he's evil. Then he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Q has this whole thing where he, first he's kind of evil, then he's sort of sympathetic, then he's kind of, you know, forgiving, and then it all comes full circle at the end. And then he's smitten. Yes. He's not smitten. No, he is. All right. We'll talk about we Well, we won't talk about this till all good things. It's going to be a little while. But yeah. we will We will come back to this. Mm-hmm. All right. Beave, your bad thing. My bad thing is that in order to control data, to put extra pressure on data, Lore has to unhook a compartment and, you know, push some buttons inside himself to do it. And well, he's got a little he remote control it. hooked up to the emotion chip where he, he does it a button and beams it. By peeling his fingernail back. And yeah. I know even though it looks like a plastic thing and not as much like a fingernail, it still sends shivers up my back and makes me shake. Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. Anything huh. fingernail related is, is ugh to me. I yeah, I'm totally that, like that too. But that the creeps. Was particularly bad, I thought. They cut to an extreme close-up of what wasn't even a finger. No, it was terrible, but it still bothers oh, yeah. me. They could like have the achieved the same they... thing if they took a pa- uh, a um, a paper clip and unfolded uh-huh. it and dragged that across somebody's nail. That would have sent me... I wouldn't have been able to watch the rest of the show. Anything fingernail-related huh. bothers me. Strange. Yeah. Oh, we're learning about Beeb's kryptonite this week. Yes, I suppose. Well, and, and Matt, didn't you also have a problem with the uh, head spaghetti? Oh, yeah, it's not I the head spaghetti. It's when he has the oh. giant needle that he's, like, shoving into Geordi's skull. Oh, okay. Yeah. And into his temples. I was just like, ah, God! Yeah, injections and incisions bother me an awful lot. See, injections into the skull. Injections yeah. do bother me when or they're like not sort of eye. 
fake futury injections that look like nothing I can relate to. I think yeah. that's mm. why it didn't bother me. Nope, just the concept. I, I mean, it does look like he's attacking him with a caulking gun, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Need a little hot glue top off there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's if that's your bad thing. If that, you know, one one thing that was meant to be a little disturbing was disturbing, then that's pretty good. I well, mean, you know, again, don't make it as don't don't take too much out of my saying that cuz I'm I was writing my stuff while I watched it this most recent time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you kind of enjoy your own writing while you're doing it and it changes the perception of the um episode a little bit for me. So like if, whole, if I made myself laugh episode. a bunch, if I made myself laugh then I'm pretty good with it. But there was a lot of talking that I kind of zoned out for, and I yep. thought the premise and stuff was meh. But it didn't make yeah. me throw stuff, and it didn't make me sleep, <laughs> which is saying something. And yeah. uh, you well, know, yeah, Last it, time, didn't you fall asleep during your episode? Yeah, they didn't convene a committee to decide on what a chair or table looked like. So, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, the thing is, the Borg are you know, big and scary and all, and, and this is their first slide into not being that anymore. Yep. This is their first appearance where it's like, oh, uh, I guess that's the Borg, sort of. Yeah, we peaked with iBorg. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, and unfortunately this all came as a result of iBorg. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, tell me your bad thing. So, Lore wears a, quite frankly, insane costume in this you episode. You sure liked talking about it. Like, what in the hell is he wearing? It's this weird... Like, it almost looks like it's made of styrofoam, and it's all sculpted muscles, That, but it's all sculpted muscles that look very fake and look like they could be removed, and there's these big things on the shoulders that make it look like he can't lift his arms over his head, and I could not pay attention to anything else he was doing because he was constantly wearing this ridiculous outfit. Just, what yep, is even, that thing? I didn't even notice it. You kept pointing it out. And I was like, oh, yeah. So yeah, it, it is. did it to me, too. Huh. And it made it look that like shit is crazy. Hmm. I did. It, once you pointed it out, I did say that it looked a bit like he was drawn by Rob Liefeld. And this would have been at the beginning of that whole era of comics. So, yeah, maybe that was a deliberate nod. Like, hey, this looks cool now, right? Now he had like Captain America tits. Right. Which I don't know. Is that not cool? No. Captain it's America very distracting. I wanted to run up and steal his chest. <laughs> run up and steal his chest. <laughs> all right. I don't think you've said that since Khan. He'd be all like, where'd my chest go, brother? <laughs> no, he wouldn't say where'd. Oh, he would. Yeah. Because he, 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 he could do contractions. The Got sons it. of Soong are looking for my stolen chest. <sighs> all right. I'm going to talk about my bad thing, and you guys might want to go have a cigarette or something, because this may be a minute. <laughs> okay. Should we strap in? No. No. You, you stay on strap. You, you just bounce around for this one. <laughs> this, this is the crown jewel of my Next Gen Can't Do Part 2 argument. All right, let's recap. This is, this is the thing I've said all along, that, that they do Part 1 great, that they build the great sort of, oh, my God, what's going to happen next, and then they piss it down their leg every time. To, to varying degrees. But, but well, let's go over these, just because this is really the last one. There's one more two-parter, but I don't. I think both parts of that suck, as I recall. Um, but as far as season cliffhangers, for sure. Okay, Best of Both Worlds gave us the coldest, most unstoppable enemy in all of Star Trek, which, in part two, they defeated by putting them to sleep. Redemption had the Klingon Empire engulfed in a civil war, and part two, we reveal, was orchestrated by Tasha Yar's Romulan rape baby. Unification part one promised Spock. Part two delivered, but also gave us a plot that was orchestrated by Tasha Yar's Romulan Rape Baby. 
Time's Arrow presented us with a strange mystery and a cool adventure in the past and included with and concluded with Victorian aliens stealing the essence of hobos with their magic briefcases. <laughs> and also that one character I hate. And then there's Descent. Let's take Data, who apart from Picard is the only real character in the, in, in the entire series with, a, with an arc, and give him the one thing he's always wanted, emotions. Only it'll be horrible emotions that he won't know how to deal with it or even know where they're coming from. And on top of that, let's throw in the Borg, only this time they're super hostile and ruthless. Also a mystery. That all sounds really great. And the payoff? It's an evil twin bent on the destruction of all humans! Look, Next Gen can do sci-fi camp. It's Star Trek. And for all my bitching about it, campy episodes like Rascals can be fun. But turning this dark, kind of quiet, be-careful-what-you-wish-for story into <laughs> galactic domination, it, it kind of cheapens both episodes. Now you lost the subtle character insights and you're taking the camp too seriously. Everybody loses, but especially me. I lose the most. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean, though? The oh, feeling, yeah, totally. The tone of these two episodes is so completely different that even if you like part two, it just it's then you probably don't like part one because they're just so not remotely well, I mean, close. There was that great creepiness that we were talking about with yeah. with Dana in the first episode, and all of that's gone. Well, it's tension. and there's no there's it's, no um, consequences for that. Like no one gives a shit that he tortured Jordy. No, it's all that tension and suspense. It's suspense. Next Gen generally can do suspense well, but it's the payoff of the suspense. Yeah. It's the what's going to happen next that they do well, and then what actually happens next usually isn't great. Now, you know, you, you could say, shut up, Best of Both Worlds 2 was good. Yeah, yeah, it was, but it still wasn't as good as Part 1, and that was where it started. Mm -hmm. You always get this great, and, and I know the way they did it, they would write these incredible cliffhangers and then maybe leave themselves notes or something, but they didn't have Part 2 written yet. No, often someone else would write it. Yeah, and then they'd come back from their summer break and wrap it up. Yeah. And it is clear to me that, you know, different teams did them or that they forgot. Yep. I mean, I've done that before, but I also don't get paid to write. <laughs> where I where I write part one of something and I wander away and I come back and I say, shit, what was supposed to happen in part two? Uh, I guess I'll make up oh, something man. new. <laughs> all I wrote down was put something cool here. Damn you, Al of the past. Oh, I do that all the time. Or, I know. No, my my biggest note is like here only fun or like this only funny. <laughs> write this better. Fuck I you, Al I of the future. I only watched the second one. I didn't watch the first one. So you didn't get that that crushing so I, disappointment. Right. So that I didn't I have that. I didn't have any sense. That so did you at least different. enjoy it as sort of a crazy like? Yeah campy let's fight evil kind of episode then yeah that's what i was saying it was it it wasn't terrible i i didn't think it was terrible we've seen terrible episodes and this was oh it. sure yeah and we've, we've seen, seen them together mind-numbingly boring episodes and this wasn't exactly it there were sections no. that i could have lived without it um, was campy it was totally yeah. campy it felt like an old doctor who is what it felt like yep there was definitely a lot of running around in caves and had that going lots for running it. around in caves and a villain who is just straight up evil there is <laughs> mm -hmm. no real motive there beyond i am evil and that's that's what bugs me. That's what that's what makes it that's what takes it from subtle sort of adult drama to like a kids show is when a character yeah. is just straight up evil and there's no And know. I guess that's probably a, a standing issue with lore for me because yeah. you would expect a complex character like Data. Sure. You know, cuz Data, who's data without be Data human. without emotions is complex and interesting and you know, yeah. has his things that he's doing and trying to do and a, even aspiring to and, and whatnot. Right. And you would think lore would have something. You know, it would be an equal well, oil to that, like a, you know, sort of like a Holmes Moriarty thing. You know I mean? Where no, you, I would figure there's Oh, this, don't. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Boring. That, sorry. You, where you have a foe that is. No, I understand. Complex and 
or at least how I think. But whether that was true about Holmes, I've never really read anything. I I think the problem is that Lore isn't Data's. They don't treat Lore as Data's brother. They treat him as his evil brother. You know, like all in italics and underlined. He's evil. No, see, I think it would be cool if you made him like the opposite of Data, where he feels like he's too human and he's trying to get rid of the humanness. Mm -hmm. Like that could be an interesting angle on it. Yeah. Like, I have this horrible taint of humanity that, that my father put in me. I don't want this. This is awful. I want to do everything I can to, to you know, to to yeah. support my people, the robots. Yeah, so he'd have, yes. so he'd have more of that, that Spock vibe and maybe a yeah. bit of warp to him. Right. But also be aggressive. Be, you yeah. know, because you want him to be, a, to, to, to be an antagonist. Mm-hmm. But you don't want him to be just evil. I think that's my problem. And, and again, defanging the Borg. Like, I remember watching this when it came out, and I was so, it was so cool because, like, ooh, the Borg are back, but it's something different now. Yeah. This could be cool. They, now, they're, now they're hostile. Now they're not just uh, assimilating. They want to fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. And no, it just turns out that this one batch of them is crazy, and the rest of them are still the same. Yeah. Which is disappointing. Sorry, overall, guys. Yeah. Overall, just disappointing. That is, that is the one word I would use to describe dissent part two. <clears throat> yeah. And bland, um, very bland. Yep. And they, there's a scene where they actually do the guard. This man is hurt. Come in here and help. Oh my us. god, I uh-huh. forgot about that. That's that to me right there. Okay, we're not doing this Ron Moore soul searching stuff anymore. Now we're doing guard. I'm going to beat you up and take your clothes. Guard, sick man. We need more moisturizer. Right. <laughs> Wait, what? That's from uh, an MST. Guard, I have to poop. <laughs> guard, well, we better open the cell. Guard, where does this staircase go? <laughs> goes up. Oh God! I also love we got um, we got to hear Deanna's pronunciation of lore, which I thought was bizarre. I guess we'd never heard that before because we definitely would have noticed it. <laughs> if you don't do it, lore will punish you. <laughs> Who? You know, lore. Lore. The evil Dara. <laughs> no, not Landru. <laughs> Praise Landru. Oh God, damn it! <laughs> There's a bad episode. <laughs> Lest you forget. Never forget Landru. Actually, no, I was thinking of Val. Landru might have been a decent episode, I don't remember. Oh, God. That was Return of the Archons, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't remember if that was good or not. Remember Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I had. What about you there, guys? There, um, I'm just looking over my notes here. For me, ahead, no, no, go ahead. A thing that I kind of like in this also, mm-hmm. or I just took notice of, was this is like. Um, I said, this is the stuff that Kirk never got to see until Wrath of Khan. Uh, shit you do oh, yeah, has consequences. consequences for your, yeah. Yeah. I no, mean, I and, like and so they did a thing, they decided upon it, and then now they're on a planet where they're seeing what happened. You know? I like that. I think it could have been done better, but oh, I do course. like that we are in a universe now where we get to see that. You're right. Yeah. Because you don't know that somebody like War isn't going to come along and screw with stuff you started. You leave people, you leave people helpless and, and right. You know, unable to cope for themselves. Somebody's going to come in, and somebody strong is going to come in and lead them. And, yeah, and we you talked know, about this a bit You stick last people week. on a planet. You don't know that that planet's not going to change its its climate and stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, you might want to check in every now and then. Yeah, could be a, could be an idea. No, I, we talked about this a little bit last week, where I do I did like the idea that we do follow up with things that Picard's like nice black and white uh, moral decisions aren't always black and white that oh shit there was some gray area here and maybe I didn't make the right call mm-hmm. but on the other hand well, I mean I that was a big factor in the first one yeah but on the other hand I think it could have been done better is all yeah like I think 
I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it almost cheapens the end of Iborg to say, and then this didn't make anything better. Everything fell apart. Goodbye. Mm. Yeah. Rather than have some kind of specific, like, this is why it messed up, but his heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. Instead, well, he was doing this moral thing, but it didn't matter. I don't know. Star Trek doesn't feel like that. I like that kind of bleakness in, in other things. But Star Trek yeah. should be a little more hopeful than that. That's more me. of a Battlestar Galactica thing. Yeah. Where everything sucks and it's broken. Where you where you dust your hands and you say, good, that's solved. And two episodes later, it's like, oh, fuck, that wasn't <laughs> nope. solved at all. Way it's, to make things worse, worsey. But while I do, well, I do like that. I do totally agree with you, Beef. I do think that it just it feels out of place to do that to do it this way in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Matt, you got anything else? Yeah, I think that's it. Because you know, you just... guys, we could keep talking about Descent if you want. We don't have to. No. Uh... Well, the more we can... talk about Descent, the more I think about Lore's fucking uniform. <laughs> I hate it. All right. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. I don't think that you had. I hate it. All right. Viv, any anything you want oh, to hit on? Oh, and also Croesus nope. was featured in this again. Everyone was Croesus. <laughs> every time every time Lord turned to talk to some henchman, it was, okay, Croesus, are we ready to... I actually, I was thoroughly delighted any time we saw Borg just sort of wandering around in the background. Yeah, that's really surreal, because they are just guys now. Like, there, there was a scene where, um, where, uh, there's a scene where Lauren and Date are talking out on the front porch, and there's these two Borg talking in the background. It looks like one of them's describing his watch to the other one, and I was just transfixed by it. No, it's not the front porch. Once again, I know you said this was the set they used on Power Rangers, which I'm sure it, it was. was, but when they're outside there, like on every other planet where we get an exterior, it looks like they're on the campus of a community college. <laughs> Because there's a handful of people walking behind them. They're standing yep. there out there. It's a nice sunny day. It looks like the catalog. It looks like the way they make the outside of the, the, the community college look on the catalog to make it look appealing for you to go there. Look, we have Borg students. You know, Laura, I think the best thing about, to be about being here is the drama department. What did you say? Appear to be a, prepare to be a simoline? A simoline. Uh, ah. That's terrible. Now I just want to see the, the community dean wearing a Borg's costume. <laughs> Presumably the Borg Queen costume. Yeah, it would be the well, Borg right. Queen. Of course. <laughs> All right. Let us then... I mean, I am looking forward to your to your summary, Beef. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sure. I just... The rest of the episode... Eh. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about liaisons, won't you? Liaison. Okay. Stardate Formalware. The Enterprise is on a diplomatic mission and is taking on ambassadors from a race they haven't dealt with before. Worf is futzing around with his sash, and Riker suggests that he's procrastinating. Worf denies this as Klingons only procrastinate to avoid spending time with their disappointing children. <laughs> the Enterprise gets two ambassadors and a shuttle pilot. Troy assign, assigned the dumpier of the two, and Riker, get, Riker gets Ambassador Jerkface, who immediately declares that he doesn't want Riker. He wants the strapping brown one. I'll have that one, he declares, to Riker's delight and Worf's displeasure. Picard gets the shuttle pilot and the promise of interesting crystal formations on their homeworld. Home and nothing gives him wood like rocks. Picard, <laughs> Picard gets in the shuttle and they depart, only to have, only to crash land on Gothic Romance Planet. Fully stocked with ominous storms, jagged precipices, and one emotionally damaged woman with a bodice just ripe for ripping. Back on the Enterprise, Ten Forward is having its Golden Corral buffet night that it's so well known for. Troy and Ambassador Happy discover dessert, and Troy gets to revisit her master's thesis on how dessert is the only meal you need. Ambassador Jerkface is being a jerkface and purposely screwing with Worf, 
whose annoyance is as delicious as any chocolate. After the crash, Picard wakes up in a shelter to find Anna, his biggest fan, standing over him. He's hurt, the pilot is dead, and jump forward over the boring middle part, and ladies a dude. She's secret surprise third bonus ambassador, Ambassador Love Me, previously known as Shuttle Pilot Love Me. He was sent to experience human love and could only do so with deception and elaborate schemes and setups, just like humans do. Back on the <laughs> Enterprise, Worf finally gets his fill of abuse and beats up Ambassador's, Ambassador Jerkface, who is actually Ambassador Antagonism. We also find out that Troy's guy, Ambassador Happy, is actually Ambassador Happy. She's not complex enough to handle a twist like the others. <laughs> she is what she has always been, Ambassador Chocolate, Queen of Dessert. Ah. I mean, no, no, no. That was that was funny. When I'm, I'm not groaning at the joke. I'm groaning at oh, she was she had done so well. Sure, just just yeah. a, just an episode ago, she knew some engineering stuff, and three oh. episodes in a row, she carried a phaser. Yep. Like, but it all comes back to chocolate. And now we're yep. back to chocolate. A whole plot point built on her love of chocolate. I remember watching it, and I she gives him the chocolate for the oh. first time, and they walk away, and all I can think is her going to him. So, do you have a mother? <laughs> No, because now she likes cowboys, and she's been a Romulan once, and she's like, <laughs> she's got all this whole rich backstory now. Mm -hmm. Nope, no, not anymore. No, it's chocolate right. mother, and we get they got that chocolate uh, model of the uh, Legion of Doom headquarters. <laughs> yes, and the future cake that looks like a cake, only with another cake stuck sideways into it, because the future. Ooh. Well, this what an was, incredible this, age. This was 1992, which I believe would have been the peak of the side ponytail. <laughs> so that there, that was probably the thinking there. Mm, Sidekick. You got a thing, you just slap it on the side of a thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've often thought that when looking at side ponytails. Yes. Are they still a thing? Am I am I showing my age? I thought that no. was... No. Okay, that's what I I don't think so. I haven't seen one in a long time. No, people okay. do them ironically sometimes. I do remember finding them attractive. Well, that's weird because you would have been like 10. Yeah, well, fair enough. Ten-year-olds have needs too, Al. Yeah, I don't know Important what they are. Needs. Chocolate. I don't want. Okay. As this episode shows us. So, Counselor Troy's really ten. Is that what you're saying? This is her rascals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I mean, the uh, the the chick on the planet with Picard is very, not ten, but sort of like fourteen, like you know, running around slamming. She's like Dawn. Emotionally. Oh God, Emotionally yeah. fourteen. If you yeah, don't love like me, from Buffy. there's a precipice out there that, you know, huh, huh, you know. They precipices. sure did throw around the word precipice a lot. They did. <laughs> and, you know, when you got a crazy chick talking about precipices, you got you to gotta really That's keep an true. eye on her. Our use of the word precipice reached a precipice in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I dated seven or eight chicks like this, and uh, she was a little rough, let me tell you. Yeah. You see what I did there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to um, leave, and you can go back to listening to the Smiths now. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't go through that, but I know you did. Yeah. You dated this chick too, I bet. <laughs> As I said, I was this chick. Uh huh. We we, we dated. Wow. <laughs> this is a much more interesting revelation than anything that happened in this. Episode. That's weird. I would have thought this would have been a little come kid. up by now. You'd think. No, I'm not that much younger than you. Come on. All right. Uh, tell me a good thing, Beef. Uh, my good thing is Picard in this. And again, I just after talking more about it, I realize it's probably another one that's I'm stretching. But uh, I like jaded, unflappable Picard. We get him at you know he's been around so much stuff that when he's sitting there and all this stuff is happening to him and he's in a room looking like he was probably hurt, and there's a woman who is clearly probably crazy, 
he's still treating her kind of respectfully and very diplomatically, and she tells mm-hmm. him his stuff, and he is very straightforward. But it, all, the whole time, you know, like he's there, he wakes up, sizing it all up. Broken ribs, yep. his pilot is dead. You know, who knows where he is? The shuttle is probably trashed. This is all from his point of view, and he yep. goes, "Lady, we'll get out of this. Yep, we're gonna figure something out. We won't even be here very long." And he just gets to getting on. And um, when she's going crazy at him, just throwing all her emotional stuff at him, he's just in his eyes. It's They have some good close-ups of him where you're just watching him watch her, basically. You hear, she's talking, mm-hmm. you see his face and his reactions. And it's just, you know, he, he's seen everything. He's been everything. And, mm-hmm. um, and now when stuff like this is presented to him, he's just like, well, she could be real. She could be fake. You know, he's been in, yeah, they've been in situations where they've been completely goes. fake stuff that have happened yep. to him, or where there are things where people are disguised as other people doing stuff. You know, it could be any of those stuff, and he just he takes it in, and he knows it's going to be all right, and he gets through yep. it. He's a little tense once or twice in it, but but not so much as you would think a, a person would be. But with him, it seems very real that he wouldn't be. He's well, a and we, captain of the Enterprise, you know. We talked about this uh, in The Inner Light, where mm-hmm. he shows up and everyone's acting like this is his life, and he's very diplomatic about it he doesn't believe but he doesn't want them to know he doesn't believe and that ended up being real yeah so he's prepared for any of it it's not like he's even pretending it's like he's just waiting to see what happens next because yeah, yeah you're right he's who knows this literally could be anything yeah with all the shit he's and if it's going to be mm-hmm. torture at least you know there was a a bunch of you know most of the episode he doesn't have you know wires on his testicles so he's at least good with that or forehead or forehead right for most of the or episodes. testicles on his forehead right well, I mean, that chick did turn back into a dude at really strange times. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was that was weird. That was like for for a show that you know, as my wife likes to say, doesn't have gay people who that like to just completely stray from the whole gender issue entirely. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they would have a woman desperately wanting to be in love with Picard ended up being a dude, and not, I don't know. It just it feels like there's implications there that. That could have been weird that, yeah. at the time. Like, I don't care. I don't think any of us care. But you know what I mean? Like, on TV. No, it, it doesn't seem like something they would have done back then. Right. And maybe that's why they just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. They were just like, yeah, I was a dude. So what? You weren't interested in me. It's cool. I guess. I don't know. It, it feels like something they mm, didn't feel quite right for the kind of stuff I, that they were doing. Yeah. I also actually like when he finds out the guy was a dude, he mm-hmm. is pretty professional about that, too. Yep. Yeah, he's still like diplomatic his, like, through the whole thing. Yep. Like the entire, he's just like, wait, what was happening? Well, and that's the threat. Oh, really? Of all three oh, of come guys. on! You have to treat them with respect, no matter what. Yeah. And so once he figures out that it's all that, it's like, okay, well, this is what we're doing, I guess. All right, Worf's got to put up with that other guy. I guess I got to put up with this. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I'm living out an Aerosmith song. Well, good enough for me. I guess. Listen, listen, Wolf. You may think you had it bad, but I, he straddled me. Yeah, that <laughs> happened to me too, actually. So, and I like. Yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I like that. You know, after the woman has tried and tried and tried and is going, "Love me, love me," she she leaves, and then the guy comes back in to see if maybe yep. Picard goes the other way. <laughs> well, that's is this not what how you they want? Am I doing it, it for you now? Said, he comes in. So camaraderie. Guys get pretty well, close in situations like this, right? Yeah. I tried. I tried everything I could on uh, on this side. I guess uh, let's try this now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to also point out this is about the eighth or tenth time Picard's been in a crash shuttle. Yeah, that's like, true. I never noticed this before. It happens at least once a year. 
I, I, I honestly can only think of the, the one other one. There was the one there's, with Wesley. Are there other ones? There's the the Wesley one. I'm sure there's other ones. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm blanking now, but think, there, there, yeah. there have been more. No, and these things happen sometimes when we have the mic right in front of us and don't have like an episode list. I feel like he crashed with Wesley twice. Uh, he was stuck in a shuttle with Wesley another time. Right. That didn't. That one didn't crash. No, that was just a very awkward shuttle ride where they were stuck together. Yeah, you're really oh, always. Stuck that just with felt Wesley. like a crash. Yeah. Well, he did kill a guy. He did kill. A guy. <laughs> Never forget. Never ever forget. I want to try to work that into every episode in, until we're done with next gen, because I feel like people are forgetting. I feel like that would make a really good T-shirt for us. Uh, our pal Brian, who who is a regular guest on the show, actually did, did a bunch of little doodles of. Oh man, those are so cool! There's one that's uh, "Don't forget Wesley killed the guy." There's one yep. that says "It was the dog," and there, there's a few <laughs> others. I'll, uh, I'll I'll see if I can get copies from him and put them on postatomichorror.com because they're yeah. they're they're really cute. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded us of just how many catchphrases we have, which is a lot. It is quite a lot. We have we have one for every character except Beverly, apparently, because uh, no, uh, just not enough there. My baby, I we did have one for Beverly. Yeah, my there baby. you go. My baby. That's about right. Let's throw my baby into the sun. That's what we know about her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, her uh, episodes always deal with the sun. Uh, Either Wesley or you know. Oh damn it, dude. Ah. Why don't you tell me your bad thing about this episode instead? Um, my bad I think that's thing, my bad thing. Me? <laughs> my bad thing is that at no point does anyone yell, you will end this charade now! And, you know, breaking glass and stuff. Right. <laughs> but also, in addition to that, um, see Matt's thing. Matt's bad okay. thing. Yeah, don't see Matt, Matt's can we thing. See your thing. Just see his bad thing. Oh, I've seen his thing. Listen, we just slang for your deal. <laughs> when you're co-host with someone for four years, you see his thing. Matt, tell me your bad thing. This episode just made me want to watch Misery. Yeah. Like, you know, a movie I actually like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guessed that Anna was crazy after about a minute, and then I figured out she was the ambassador about two minutes later. Yeah. Like, it's really rare that I'm going to find the Picard part of any episode boring, but man, this was just rough, you know? Like, Well, we've talked about the Picard episodes being insights into his character. There's, apart from that nice little bit Beef was talking about where he's taking it in, he's, he's you know, he's playing it cool, he's being a diplomat, there's nothing insightful about him here. Mm-hmm. Because we're not seeing how Picard would handle himself in a crash shuttle. We've seen that already. He eats yeah. soup. He loves soup. Yeah. He loves soup with no name. That's his <laughs> thing. He's been through the desert on a soup with no name. With soup with no name. And sometimes this this terrible... This was uh, one of the worst planet exteriors they've had, by the oh way. Oh my god, what a shithole. He, he's been through a papier-mâché rock on a, with a soup with no name. <laughs> <laughs> with, with terrible, terrible uh, post-production lightning effects applied. Yep. Yeah. Just, ugh. That was, that was bad. Ugh. Yeah. It's just, this episode is so fucking boring. It is boring. And that's, that's the big problem. Is Like, if the... It, if you're waiting for the A plot to end so you can get back to the B plot, no, there's been episodes like that where I just care more about what's going on in the, you know, in the B plot. But no, but it's like, you know, that's that's the sign of a bad episode. You know what's the sign of a bad episode? Season 7. <sighs> uh my bad thing. Oh, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, it is. Are we still doing your human concept of blank episodes? We're, we're studying your human concepts of antagonism and love and chocolate. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... The, haven't... Didn't and we love do of chocolate. Ha- and, 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 like, water for chocolate. Didn't half of the episodes of the original series basically do that? 
we don't understand your human concept of blank, so now we're going to study it. That's another thing. It's a lazy episode. Yeah, it is. Between that and then boring ambassadors. It's like yeah. it's like they took two things out of the Star Trek cliche grab bag and just threw them together. And and that's what this felt like. That was that's my bad thing is uh, again, it was all a test again. Mhm. Like we haven't done a test episode in a while. No, I was kind of happy about that. We like, haven't done a rebel episode, a proper episode, rebel episode in a while either. I was happy about that too. Yeah. But you welcome know. back to season seven. Yep. This week you yep. get rebel test. Rebel test. Uh, uh. My good thing. Yes. What's your good thing, Al? There's a bit where data specifically, and and Matt has a has a wider good thing, and I'm, I don't want to step on on this because there's there's a lot of good comedy in this episode. Actually, talk about your good thing first, and then I'll, right. I'll sort of cap that. I I really enjoyed Troy and and Worf's adventures with their various ambassadors. There's some really funny stuff, especially with Worf. Mm-hmm. Like I love. Well, they I, play I, up annoyed, angry Dorn versus like angry. I want to kill you, Dorn. Yeah, it's like it's like they're like you know. Mike, Michael's really good at being pissed off. Let's just spend this entire episode having him get more and more pissed off. But but again, I like how they explore different shades of pissed off. Yes! Because because Doras, you framed my father for, for treason. I want to I wanna murder you is not the same as I have to put up with this annoying ambassador at a poker game. Like, they're yes. different kinds of angry. Like, he just spends the entire episode just annoyed. It's hilarious. But then annoyed where he wants to kill him because he's still a Klingon. Yes. There... <laughs> But that's classic comedy. That is a that is one of your very basic comedy setups, which is you take someone in power, mm-hmm. someone with some kind of power, and then you completely take their power away and make them helpless. Like, it's an ambassador. You can't punch him. You can't lock him in the brig. You just have to deal with him. And that's inherently funny if you've got a good actor, and you do. Yeah. And the other is never get involved in a land war in Asia. Which hasn't really come up since the original <laughs> series. I mean. No. They went to Vietnam planet seven or eight times. <laughs> But apart from that... Man, those episodes were lousy with land wars. Yeah, they were. And tests. Yep. A lot of land wars and tests. But no, there were there were some genuinely funny moments. There's a, there's a lot of funny stuff with Riker. Yes. I love I love Riker playing off a of wharf. Just well, like, Picard's away, so yep. Worf's got to go to Riker and say, can I stop now? And Riker's like, nope, this is really funny. Yeah, yeah. and Riker is delighted that, that that was pulled out from under him. Yeah, that was supposed he to be was assigned game. to the asshole, and then Warp yep. got it. The best person it's to like watch everyone... oil. Yep, everyone on the ship is just like better you than me, buddy. Yeah, and there's this, the scene where he and Deanna are just sitting there, and Warp is stomping around, venting. You yep. guys had said that you imagine that happens all the time, and oh, I, and I totally. love that. And they're just they are just cutting up, laughing at him, and uh, and he's so angry. It's it's great. And and the the funniest thing is you get the impression from the characters that that does happen a lot. But on the other hand. On the actor side of things, apparently Dorn was the most lighthearted of all of them, <laughs> which is just really strange when you when you think about it that way. He was always the one joking and making you know, yeah, like laughing and breaking in, in the middle of a scene or whatever. And uh, I don't know for some reason that cracks me up when you think of an episode like this, and then you you think that that he was the fun one. Yeah. <laughs> um. But and so there's one other sort of scene along those lines. It's specifically Data being a jerk. Yes, which, by the way, maybe not the time for that, Data. Oh, is that your quote? I'm sorry. It's like, no, you can lead into it. Ah, very well. Feel free. Well, we'll play it here. How is your diplomatic assignment progressing? Fine. I have heard that in moments of diplomatic tension, it is often helpful to find elements of commonality. Master Byleth is demanding, temperamental, and rude. 
You share all of those qualities in abundance. Perhaps you should try to build on your similarities. I just, I like, it, it, the Data's, um, Data's body language there. Yeah. He's leaning on his shoulder, yep. standing next to Worf, in a, in a very clearly, hey, buddy, how's hey, it buddy. going? Have a, <laughs> so, have a hard time like, there. It's like, it's like Stewie walking up and saying, so, what's going on? Finish that novel? From, uh, sorry, from uh, Family Guy. Sorry. Right, right. Finish that novel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you working on? <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, uh, I, I was thinking of uh, Bill Cosby himself, mm-hmm. where... Um, where his dad comes over and sees, you know, his kids going crazy oh, right. and having a little trouble, son. <laughs> it's just that it's that gleeful, huh? You seem to be in some trouble here. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> it's like Data's Data's exploring that part of humanity this week. It's like, but it's like Data. Um, you tortured a, a crew member last week. Maybe, uh. Maybe it's not quite time for you to go, to be, to try out smugness. Yeah. Hey, I think your guy's uh, choking on a croissant there. You better attend to that. Bye. Yeah. Data, Data <laughs> if you're playing this for comedy, remember last episode you played impersonating the, the um, Picard to the blind guy. Well, oh, right. As a joke. Oh, not to the blind guy who's being tortured as a joke. Yeah, making the guy you, you were torturing think he was being rescued. You thought that was the height of hilarity a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse us. Excuse us if we're not ready to find you funny again. In uh, in fairness, that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> when you're torturing a guy, you make him think, oh, good, it's time to go. I'll get my coat. And then he can't go. Torture is love. Mm-hmm. That is torture comedy. Yeah, that is. That really, I mean, you got torture porn. You also got torture comedy. Yeah. It's less use, u- utilized in films these days. Yeah, which is unfortunate. And torture this comedy This was really porn. the uh... – well, the classic age of uh, of torture comedy. Actually, going into uh, season seven, post atomic horror torture comedy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sad now. Yeah, you'll be sad right around Journey's end. Trust me. I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> you just wait till the Enterprise becomes a self aware train, Mister. No, I don't <laughs> want to be aware of that. <laughs> you just wait until Beverly fucks a ghost. No. Then what will you do? I'm gonna weep. Yep. Keep fucking that ghost, There were no Beverly. more worlds to conquer. <laughs> there were no more ghosts to fuck. I don't have anything else to say about this. Oh, that was another – yeah, I had another little thing, well, which was just – you have the – you know, they're there for specific things. And so they have antagonism guy finding war, and they have pleasure and chocolate guy finding Troy. <laughs> chocolate guy. And then right. they send love me girl to be with Picard while you've got Riker, Troy – um, even Beverly, who will fuck a ghost mm-hmm. later on, who you could, drop who you hat, could, any who hat. you any hat, who you could have pulled into that scheme completely yep. and easily, and you know they went with the hardest guy of all. Well, let's let's think about this from a writing standpoint. Even though, apart from the scene where where he's sizing it up, like you said, yeah, is there anything Picard specific about that situation? Could you not have just changed that to Riker? No, they got him there with crystals. That that's the other right, the other yeah. Picard thing. Yeah. So you change a handful. Say it's of dialogue. chocolate planet. Yeah, but I mean, you you really like for Riker, you don't even have to lure him there. No, I hear there Just, are women. Will I'm there? Uh, off I go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's to me, that's the test of is it a good character episode or not? Could this episode have taken place with any other character? And the answer is yeah, probably. Yep, we're sending mm-hmm. Beverly there to look at our medical facilities. Yeah, yep. there's nothing inherently Picard. I mean, once you get into the situation, it's identical. Yeah. Everyone would have tried to escape, would have figured out the ruse, would have, you know, like they all would have done it exactly the same. Beverly would have gotten married and lived there for the rest of her life. Uh, Yeah, that's probably true. Yep. 
This and, is all she ever wanted. And tried to forget about that time her son killed a guy. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Because I remember. You remember. I remember. I can't forget he killed a guy. Nope. But that's, you know, to me, that's, again, the test of is it a good character episode or not? And the answer here is no, because there's nothing inherently Picard about this. He's just he's just some guy. Fortunately, he's just the best actor in the in the cast. Yeah. He's still just yep. some guy. But I mean, like, the, even that doesn't really save this episode. No, no. not really. Unfortunately, but, uh, you know. The thing is, at the time when this episode came out, when the season came out, the show was supposed to go six years, and they all negotiated and then signed for a seventh. And looking back, I kind of wish they hadn't. Yeah. Six felt about right. Because now they're really just starting to pad things out. Just, they don't have any ideas. And the argument that I've heard is all the good scripts went to Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me... In 1992, uh, from staff writers, from people begging for a job, for, for spec scripts, there are only 24 good episodes to go around between two shows in yep. a year. Yep. Sounds about right. Possibly. Yeah. You know what? I had just graduated high school. I, I, I could have come up with a better pitch than this episode, and I'm not even kidding. And that's not me thinking I'm great. That's just I had some ideas that were more original than this one. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Matt was nine when this episode came out, and I bet he could have come up with a better pitch than this. Oh, hell yeah. I'd love to see nine-year-old Matt. I'm pretty sure my pitch would have looked suspiciously like Descent, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but again, if Descent hadn't been part two... Yep. If it hadn't had completely let us down as far as expectations go, it might have been just kind of fun on its own. Mm Mm-hmm. Except you would have given Willow a better outfit. Yeah, that definitely would have happened. Yeah. But the Just more... kept him in that fucking pack lit outfit from Brothers, you know? He looked fine. <laughs> I just, the, the more I think about it, the more is like, you know what? There are, there were people, like, this is one of the few shows that actually took spec scripts and made them mm-hmm. into episodes. You'd think they'd be all over, like, really, this is the fault of the people picking the, the pitches. It's not, yeah. it's not the scripts. It's people not knowing how to find good scripts. Because they had to be out there. I don't know. It just it, – there's no excuse for this. No, it's just annoying. The show was huge, and everyone wanted to be a part of it, and – And it had just come off what we saw to be an excellent sixth season. Yes. I was wrong, okay? I admitted that. <laughs> um, But, yeah, it, it just – I don't understand why – I don't know. I don't understand why the episodes like this happened this late in yeah. the series. They should know better by now. Yeah. This felt like a season two episode. It really there, There's no. There's no reason for this thing. No. It really did feel like a season two episode. It did, now that you mention it. Like, like not season one, because they did sort of have a handle on how people should act. Mm-hmm. Like, season one, Worf wouldn't have been like this, but season no. two, Worf probably would have been. But it does feel like a, it feels like a very generic season two episode. Yep. Like, uh, we'd go back through and say, which one was Liaisons? Yeah. Oh, we will go back and say which one was Liaisons. Yeah, I will never remember this one. Because I thought this was Attached. I even told B, yeah. yeah, you're doing the one where Picard and Beverly, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, no, I'm doing liaisons. Oh, right. Isn't that liaisons? I wish. No, that one's terrible. No, too funny. I don't. I don't wish any of these were any other ones. <laughs> I told you, we got one really good week, and that's not next week. That's... Is that the other thing? Are the two good ones in the same week? Yes, as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, yeah. son of a bitch. There are three that I can that I know for sure. Ugh. There is Parallels and the Pegasus, which are, you, you would know as the Borg are everywhere and Locke from Lost has an invisible ship. Right. And then uh, Lower Decks. And that's it. That is. And then. Uh, and then all good uh, things. Yeah. As opposed to 20 bad episodes. Or boring. More like boring. More like this week. 
No. So look forward to that. Boring episodes are the worst. Yep. Fuck it. I've just resigned myself to the fact that I'm not going to expect it to be good. I'm here to make jokes and chew gum, and uh, I've got plenty of both. You know what the hell with it? <laughs> this entire season seven, we're watching episodes of Cops instead. I'm here to make nope, I quit. Make jokes and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of lube. <laughs> hey, I got lots of jokes. <laughs> Armis is a joke, right? We can hey, guys. We can still use that. Even in season seven, yeah. I'm still funny. Always use Armis. I didn't say funny. I, he's just a joke. I will always laugh. All right. Well, thank God that I've always got you. Yeah. Oh, and Flonk, too. Uh, so that's two people. All right. Beave, any final thoughts on this episode? Nope, not really. Very nope. Well. Anything you want to tell the people while you're here, while you have their ears? Huh. No. No? <laughs> all right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, next oh, week. that's why I want to tell them. Sorry. Yes. Hmm? I'm sorry. That's what I'm telling them. <laughs> We're we, all sorry. We forgive you. I'm sorry I dreamed about you that time. <laughs> well, that pretty much covers everyone, I think. It does. Yep. Even the legions of listeners you've never met. Yep. <laughs> They're extra. Um, next week, we will be doing, my list here says, Interface and Gambit Part 1. Ooh, Gambit. I don't remember either of those. Gambit is the one, as I recall, that I, I kept... With the uh, spicy crawdads? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But only part one of it, only half of them. And then the second one, Tasha comes in and steals the crawdads. Right. Damn it, Tasha. <laughs> the um that that is the one that I always confuse with the chase. Only it's the one that's not good. It's another archaeology adventure. Only it's the one that isn't great. So yeah. look forward to that. Yeah, look forward to it. Damn it, we tell or you else. to look forward to things. Do that. Also, go to our website, postatomichorror.com. Also, write to us, postatomichorror@gmail.com. Or else. Also, get our app. Get our app. It's free. Do it. Yeah. Go to the App Store, search for Postadomic Horror, and d- d- download it. It it's will appear nothing. as if by magic. And then you get all kinds of jokes, and you, you can keep track of what episodes you've watched, and, and mm-hmm. it's it's a good time. You can do all these things and more. You can do about all those things. There's at least one more thing. All these things must come to an end. Yes, and so must this show, Matt, so say your thing. See you, folks. Uh... The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.